I'd like to once again welcome everyone to the services this morning. Um, like Carrie said, a lot of our regulars are gone this morning, but we've got a lot of uh, great visitors, and we've got a wedding or two to thank for that as well. So a lot of things to be happy about this weekend and to praise God for. Um, this morning, we're going to continue our study of Jesus and talk about some of the names that Jesus had and the nature of Jesus. And this morning, we're going to talk about Jesus as the great physician. Now, where did that phrase, the great physician, come from? Now, uh, you won't find those exact words written in the Bible, but uh, I'm sure all of us are already singing a song internally uh, related to that topic. Um, and it, it's been something that we refer to a lot as a name of Jesus, but Jesus himself refers to himself uh, in the likeness of a physician in Luke chapter 5 and multiple other places in the New Testament. It says, And Jesus answered, saying unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So here Jesus kind of uh, begins this metaphor of him being like a physician, seeking out those who are sick and healing those people who are sick. Now, um, as we think about a physician, or uh, if, if there are kids who may not remember what physician means, that's talking about a doctor. We're talking about Jesus as a doctor, someone who heals someone who's sick or helps out people who are sick. Uh, as we think about that, when do we decide that we need to go see a doctor? Now, I think that threshold is a little bit different for each and every person. Now, how many of you this morning have ever had a very loving family member or friend tell you, it's time to go to the doctor, you need to go to the doctor? Now, not, not too long ago, I had this pain in my side for a, a real long time. It's been there for a long time, and Katie uh, lovingly told me many times, you should get that looked at, you need to go see a doctor about that. And I always tell her, no, I don't need to do that, it's fine, it's been there for a long time, it's going to be okay. And so then I go down to Houston for work one weekend, and Katie comes along, and um, we're at my loving in-law's house, and my mother-in-law lovingly tells me, Levi, you've got to get that checked out. And before long, I got ganged up on, and sure enough, whenever I got back here, we went to the, uh, to the doctor and ended up having surgery a couple weeks later, and, uh, you know, good call. Thank you for the love. I appreciate that. You know, a lot of us need that motivation to go see the doctor, and we know something's wrong, but we still don't make the choice to go do that. Now, what are some things that stand in the way of us going to the doctor when we know something is wrong? The first thing that comes to my mind is pride, kind of something in my situation there where I think, you know, it's been there for a long time. It hasn't killed me yet. It can't be that bad. I'm, on, I'm just going to deal with it. It's going to be okay. So, you, so I ask myself, so do I know what's wrong? Well, I know it hurts. Okay. So do I know what, I'm gonna, what I need to do to fix it? Well, no. Do, am I going to take any concrete steps to get that taken care of? Do I have a plan on how to make that better? Well, I'm just going to keep what I'm doing, doing what I'm doing. You know, how often do we find ourselves in that same situation spiritually where we know that we have a problem, but because of our pride, we let it stand between us and getting help, reaching out to God for help, reaching out to our brethren for help, reaching out to our leadership for counsel. We find that problem and we just keep ignoring it. I'm just going to keep doing what I want to. Well, that's an example of pride. Another thing I think of is fear. You know, sometimes we don't want to go to the doctor because we're afraid of what the doctor is going to tell us. He's going to tell us news that we don't want to hear. Very rarely do we go to the doctor because we're in pain and we're suffering. And the doctor says, everything is great. You're the healthiest person I've ever seen. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Uh, you know, we don't hear those things. We're kind of scared. What's the doctor going to say? And we're kind of scared about what that entails. Am I going to have to have surgery? And if I'm going to have to go to therapy, am I willing to put in that work? 
And we're kind of scared of what that means and what that implies, and so we decide just to ignore it. And that kind of leads us to another uh, problem, maybe just apathy. We just don't want to deal with it. We're just happy with the way things are, and we just decide, you know what, I just, it, it doesn't matter. It, it, you know, we'll just let it go, and it'll be fine. But whenever we think about ourselves and when we need to go to the doctor and, and who needs to go to the doctor, I want to think about, read, read the rest of the passage here in Luke chapter 5 and see who Jesus was talking to here as we start discussing Jesus as our doctor or as our physician. In Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 27, it says, And after these things he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he left all, rose up, and followed him. And Levi made a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answered and said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus tells these folks, there's a lot of people that are sick out there. There's a lot of people that need help. And he said that this action of him uh, calling Levi, and Levi was excited. I would have been excited as another Levi that Jesus had called me uh, to serve him. And he has called me to serve him. But he was excited. He threw this feast and gathered his friends together and had Jesus sit down. And Jesus said, these are the people that need my help. He said, there's a lot of people out there that are sick that need his help. In Acts chapter 13, verse 46, it says, Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldst be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed so here kind of talking about both the jews and the gentiles he's telling the jews we offered all of this help to you this great help this great physicians offered to come help you and you've turned it away we've gone to the gentiles and it says they reach it with open arms you know this help that jesus offers was needed by both the jews and the gentiles and it said that those who turn that away they judge themselves unworthy of everlasting life Now, whenever we know there's a problem with our physical health and we decide not to go to the doctor, we tell ourselves, you know what? This is not important to my life. I'm judging myself and I'm telling myself I don't need help. I don't need health. I don't need those things. He said these people put that on themselves. Eternal life was available to them. Everlasting life was available. But they said, no, we don't want it. And it goes to the Gentiles and it says they glorified the word of the Lord. And anyone who accepted that, they were ordained to eternal life. They believed. So where do we find ourselves when we find ourselves in need of a a physician? I think Jesus makes it very clear and teaches us that we all have an illness that is in need of his help. In Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you, uh, have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. He says there's people out there who are separated from God, and it's because of this sin that they have in their lives, this illness that we have. You know, Jesus is the only one that can help us deal with that. In James chapter 1, verse 14, verse 15, it says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away from his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bring forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bring forth death. 
Can anyone here this morning say that they have not suffered from this chain of events of this illness of sin? When they're faced with temptation, they're drawn away by lust and that, and that temptation that bringeth forth sin. And when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. You know, thankfully, I think uh, as followers of Christ, we're able to take out that last piece of the sentence there, aren't we? We're able to acknowledge that the path that we're on, the path of sin, leads unto death. And we can turn to Jesus and we acknowledge we need help. We need to go to the doctor. We need to get this taken care of. And we can take care of the problem before it leads to our spiritual death. You know, there's a lot of reasons why we don't want to go to the doctor. We talked about those. And spiritually, I think we make the same excuses We know that the path of sin, and and we recognize those as mistakes. We recognize that those aren't leading us to a life that's happy and fulfilled. But we're scared to go to God. We're scared to get help. And because of those pride, because of fear, because of apathy or things like that, we just don't care enough. But we need to go to God for help. And we know that we're not going to be able to get help without him. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 15, it says, For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. He says they have stopped up their ears, they have closed their eyes, they're trying not to listen to God. They're specifically not listening to the great physician. He says if they just open up their eyes, if they'd open up their ears, if they would understand with their heart, they would be converted and he could heal them. Jesus is capable of healing us. All of us need to see this doctor and we need to be open to the things he has to say. Now it's great to say that we need to go to Jesus, but what makes Jesus qualified to be our doctor, to be our great physician. What makes him the right person for the job? Now, I'll have to say, if I finally do get and darken the door of a doctor's office, I'm going to make sure that it's somebody who I think will actually be able to help me. Isn't that right? We want to make sure that it's the right person. You know, I went to, uh, I, I got LASIK a couple years ago, and while I was laying there getting my eyes zapped, I didn't say, hey, while you're here, I've got this strange mole right here on my shoulder. Would you be able to take a look at this and tell me if this is cancerous or if I need to get this taken care of here? You know, that's, that's not a reasonable question to ask in that scenario. That guy is not a dermatologist. He doesn't know how to acknowledge those things. He just takes care of eyes. You know, whenever we, uh, we have a team that just came back from Nigeria, and there's a lot of people with illnesses in Nigeria and a lot of people asking for help. Now, I don't think that Brother Craig, anytime he's ever been in Nigeria, had somebody come forward and ask him for help with an with a illness or with a problem, and they have some type of, uh, you know, uh, growth or, or malnutrition or something like that. And Craig says, all right, let's get to work. I'm going to operate on you today. That, that's not reasonable. Craig's not qualified. He shouldn't be doing that stuff. What makes Jesus qualified to take care of our illness? We know that we have the illness. What makes him qualified to take care of those things? In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. I think it's really interesting for us to talk about Jesus having compassion on us. You know, Jesus really understands the problem that we have. 
And he understands it thoroughly. The reason why he understands it so thoroughly is because he was tempted in the same way we were. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, it says, Whether in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. It said Jesus knew that we would need his support. He said that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in those things, that he made himself like us. He went through those same things as us. It says, for he himself that suffered being tempted, so Jesus went through, he was suffered, he suffered being tempted, just as we are, he's able to succor them that are tempted. Because he's been through it before, because he's done the same thing, he's dealt with this illness before, it says he's able to help us out. He's able to give us relief and he's able to deal with that sickness. And that makes him qualified to to deal with these things. Even as God, he lived as man and was tempted like we were. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. It said that uh, he, he uh, is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He understands what it's like to go through those things. Now, uh, when I was talking, I just mentioned that I had a surgery recently. Well, uh, when I saw the doctor and he referred me to the surgeon, uh, he said, well, you've got two options. Both these guys can, can do the surgery well, but one of them has a terrible bedside manner, and the other one can actually talk to people sometimes. So I chose the one that could actually talk to people sometimes, and I met with him and did the consultation. And after leaving that room, I thought, man, that other guy must be terrible. This guy feels like, felt like he's never talked to a person before. He definitely wasn't touched with my infirmity by any means. But we can know not only is Jesus qualified to do those things and he understands, but we know that he can relate to our hearts. Wouldn't it be great if you could go to the doctor and the doctor could understand instantly exactly how you were feeling and and what pain you were feeling and all those things. He could just understand it right away. Now, there's a lot of communication that has to happen for effective care. And and Jesus can understand that He, he can relate to us. Uh, the, the scriptures in, in this verse not only tell us that we can go to him and get that compassionate care that we need, but it says that we can boldly and confidently go. Look at this verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. He says we can go confidently and boldly to Jesus and know if we go to him for help, he's going to be able to help us in a time of need. We're going to be able to find what we need. You know, if we can have full confidence in his care and have full confidence that he's going to be able to take care of this illness for us. So not only does he understand us, but he also has the power to heal us. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But God commendeth his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us much more than being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were uh, reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also join God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. 
It says it's through Jesus that he, we have the power to be healed. It's through the power of Jesus Christ that we are healed of our sins, that those things go away, that we're forgiven, and that we receive atonement through the power of Jesus Christ. He's the only one that has that power to heal. In Ephesians chapter 2, you can read a lot of language about uh, the singleness of the power that Jesus has. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, it says, For by the one offering he hath perfected for every, uh, forever them that are sanctified. So it says, by the one offering of Jesus Christ, everybody was taken care of. Everyone, uh, that sacrifice was perfected for everybody so that they could be sanctified. Only Jesus has that power to heal us. And Jesus demonstrated that power frequently in the New Testament through the miracles that he did. Um, One of the demonstrations that uh, we want to talk about this morning is Mark chapter 5, verse 24. And we'll read this whole passage. If you want to turn to it in your Bibles as well, we can read Mark chapter 24 through verse 34. It says, And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in uh, the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt her body that she was healed of the plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, what, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now, one of the most interesting things to me about this healing story that we don't necessarily see in the others is what does it say this woman did? It says she had suffered many things, of physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered. In fact, she was worse. You know, she tried everything she knew to try. How often do we have a sin problem? And whenever the pride is telling us we can deal with this ourselves, you can figure it out. You can do it. How often do we find ourselves exhausted? All things that we have, we find ourselves beaten down because we tried to take care of it ourselves. We went to the wrong physician. We tried the wrong thing. When Jesus was there, and he was capable of doing that for her. I, I like the, the wording there. She suffered many things of physicians. That's how I feel most of the time going to the doctor anyway. I suffer many things uh, to go through this process. But with Jesus, it's not a, a process of suffering. He compassionately understands and has all power to take care of. And we can go with full confidence, not saying, well, I'm going to try another doctor, and I'm going to spend my last dime, and we'll see if this one works out this time. No, that's not the case with Jesus. We know that our soul can be safe in him. We can go to him confidently and know that he can be there to heal us. That's why we call him the great physician. Now, this woman went through a ton and it was only Jesus who could give her that relief. In Matthew chapter four, verse 23, uh, 23 through 24. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were uh, lunatic, and those which had palsy, and he healed them. 
You know, Jesus showed over and over again that he was capable. He had power over all these things that plugged people on earth that they couldn't deal with themselves. Now, we don't see this happening today. We don't see these, um, uh, you know, we're not going to get into talking about those who claim to do faith healings and things like that of physical uh, issues. And we don't see people with these powers such as uh, Jesus and the apostle had to lay on their hands and to heal these illnesses. But Jesus did these things for a reason. So, so why did Jesus do all these healings? In Matthew chapter 9, verse 2 through 6, it says, And behold, they brought to him a man sick with the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes within themselves, this man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore, think ye evil in your hearts. For whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or say, Arise and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then he saith to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. And Jesus is trying to bridge the gap here for us and help us understand why he did all these miracles and, and what he does for us today and how he heals us today. You know, he says, What's easier to do? Is it easier for me to go up to a man and say, Your sins are forgiven you? Or is it easier for me to go up to him and say, all of your illnesses are gone? Now, what's easier for Jesus to do? That it's, a, it's a, not a very smart question to ask. Uh, it, it doesn't make any difference. Jesus has all power to do both of those things. And what means more to a man to be able to walk on earth or to be able to have an eternal soul with him in heaven? And that's what he's trying to talk to these folks here. But Jesus displayed all of these things, all this healing power that he has to show us that he has the power to forgive sins, that he has the power to overcome anything that the world would throw at us. Jesus showed us these things to show that he can fix the ultimate sickness, the sickness of the soul, which is sin. So now what did Jesus prescribe to us to fix that illness of the soul, to fix sin? You know, it's easy for us to go see a doctor, but unless he tells us what we need to do to fix things, uh, all we had was a nice chat that didn't lead us to anywhere. But, you know, Jesus told us what we need to do to get rid of the sickness of our soul. He told us that we need to have obedience. We need to obey him. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Though we were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. You know, it's just not us needing to be obedient to Christ. But it says that Jesus, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And he was made perfect and became the author of our eternal salvation. He established the healing. He established the, the, the response to sin. He established that for all of us, and that is for us to obey him. Jesus is the author of the prescription. His prescription is for us to obey him. It's as simple as that. So what does it mean to obey him? What do we need to obey? In Romans chapter 6, verse 17, it says, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. So he said, you used to be the servants of sin, but when ye obeyed that form of doctrine, it transformed you from being a servant of sin into a servant of righteousness. You were delivered. That The medicine worked. And so what does it mean to obey that form of doctrine? 
In Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 6, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him in baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of, of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that the old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should no longer serve sin. You know, I think it's interesting when we think about this passage and think about Hebrews 5, showing not only are we in the likeness of the suffering of Jesus, says Jesus suffered and he learned obedience just as we do. But as we go through that suffering, and we learn obedience just as Jesus died and was rose again. We can be in the likeness of his death and resurrection. We must go to the to Jesus, our doctor, our great physician. We must go to him with our illness of sin. We must ask for a solution, and his solution is to obey this form of doctrine, to be obedient unto him. Whenever we do that, we need to, to hear what Jesus has asked us to do, and we need to believe the things that he's asked us to do. We need to believe that that's really going to result, that Jesus is the great physician. He knows the answer. He knows how to take care of sin. We need to believe that. We need to believe that he's the son of God. We need to, uh, we need to be willing to uh, put those things away and, and follow after the things that Jesus wants us to do, to be repentant unto him, to make that confession of faith and to be obedient to him in baptism. We need to do all those things and follow what the doctor has asked us to do through that form of doctrine so that we can be healed. Now, it's easy for us to, to, to say that we're going to follow what the doctor says, but uh, how, how good is the doctor's advice if we're not a good patient? Now, how do we need to be a good patient? Well, one thing we can do is to actually follow the physician's advice. Now, if I go to the doctor and ask him, what do I need to do to get better? And he tells me, and then I go on WebMD and find something else to do. Do you think that's going to always work out well? How often do we go to other sources to try to find the solutions to our problems with sin? How often do we turn to the wrong solution and then that results in bad things for us? But we need to follow uh, the right physician's advice. We need to follow Jesus's advice. In Romans chapter 6, verse 16, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourself servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. We can make the decision to follow the path of obedience that Jesus has set out before us. We can make the fall to do that. It'll lead to righteousness. It'll lead to eternal life. Or we can make the decision to follow after ourselves or follow after sin. And that's just going to lead unto death. You know, we have an option. Uh, Just because the doctor tells us to do something doesn't mean that it just happens to us. We have to make the decision to follow those things. We have to follow his advice. We also have to take the right medicine. We have to, to actually take the stuff that they gave us to take. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Now, in the context of what we've been talking about today, uh, this may seem silly, but uh, this verse makes me think of some of those commercials I see for medicines on TV. 
And have you ever, uh, you know, ever slow it down or listen to the things that they say? The one that really gets me is as they're talking about this medicine, they have somebody walking through a sunny field or something like that. They say, may increase chance of death. Now, well, how does that one work? So why am I wanting to take this pill again? (laughs) If it increases my chances of death, why am I taking this medicine? And that's what makes me think about this right here. With feigned works... Uh, with feigned words, make merchandise of you. Are they making merchandise of me, selling a pill that's going to kill me faster? I I don't know about that. But, uh, you know, that's basically what these uh, false teachings are, these false prophets. They're just selling us something that is not going to make us better. It's going to increase our chance of death. And not only that, but it's going to assure our chance of a spiritual death if we follow after the wrong thing, if we take the wrong medicine. There's going to be a lot of things that try to distract us from being obedient to Christ. Now, another thing to think about is that we can make ourselves sick again. You know, uh, whenever I always got sick at home, uh, as soon as uh, the fever broke or something like that happened, mom whipped out both cans of Lysol and just started spraying everything down. She was swapping toothbrushes. She was uh, cleaning the sheets. She was doing everything. And she did that because she knew if I laid in that same bed where I had just, uh, you know, had some type of illness, then there's a good chance I could get that bug again and I could be caught up in that again. And spiritually, it's the same thing. We need to make sure that we're not making ourselves sick again. I can only imagine the doctor being angry if they said, well, why do you have strep throat again? Well, I've been using the same toothbrush since I got it the first time and I'm, I'm still doing it over and over and over. Well, of course you're going to get sick again. You're just making yourself sick over and over. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, it says, For after they have escaped the pollutions of the world to the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness, and after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, The dog is returned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Just turning back to that sickness that we're already a part of. You know, if we truly want to be healed and we truly want to, to be saved from that death that is our prognosis, that we need to not make ourselves sick again, but continue to be obedient to God. And we can, and we can do this. We can just turn back to sin and it's just like that, that dog returning to his own vomit again. Not a pretty picture. And the last thing we need to do to be a good patient is to maintain a healthy lifestyle. Now, I just said that a little bit tongue-in-cheek because I can't tell you how many times uh, you go to the doctor and you say, Doc, I got all this stuff going on. And the doctor said, you know what? I think I know just the thing for you. Um, first of all, you need to get some more sleep. Okay? Uh, well, you need to lower your stress level. So, so do that too. Go ahead and lower your stress level. Get more sleep. Also, you need to eat a really healthy and balanced diet. And you need to get a lot of exercise. And what do I say to that? Well, sure thing, Doc, I'll get that done. Yeah, we'll have that done tomorrow. You know, they say that every time, of course. And none of us doubt that all those things are great for us, but I'm not going to you know, quit my job and start being a fitness and nutrition blogger because I think that's about the only way that I'm going to meet that standard of health. And that's the only, thing, only way it's going to happen. Um, but, you know, we are asked the same thing of our great physician. We're asked to do some of those same things with our spiritual life and the excuses aren't good enough. 
that we don't have enough time, that we're too tired, that we just can't make it happen. Those excuses are not going to work for Jesus. You know, first of all, we need to eat good and healthy food. In First Peter chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious." We need to put away all those bad foods. It talks about mile and gallus, hypocrisies, envies, speakings, all those things we consume in a bad way. Put away all the Twinkies, the Oreos, the, you know, whatever, the chips, whatever you, you get tempted by. Put away all those things and take on the good things. Put, take in the Word of God. You know, we make a lot of excuses not to spend time reading the Word of God and not to be nourished by the Word of God, but it's not a good enough question to Jesus. We're going to get sick over and over if we're not spending time taking in good nourishment, taking in the Word of God. How about exercise? We need to exercise our faith in First Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that is now, now is, and of that which is to come. He's, and he even downplays, so we'll, we'll use this verse for our doctors whenever they tell us to exercise next time. Uh, we'll use this to make ourselves feel better. But, um, but what Jesus is saying, or, or uh, what, what God is saying through his word here, is that this exercise is required. We know that exercise profits us in this life with our physical being. But he says that's not important compared to the exercise of faith that we need to have in our lives. We need to be always exercising that faith, putting away profane things and adding good things into our life. How about putting ourselves in a good environment, putting ourselves in a good place, lowering that stress and getting more sleep? If you ask my doctor, he would say my job is not a good environment for health because it includes stress and not sleeping very much. I think that's probably the majority of people's jobs too, but... Um, so how do we put ourselves in a good environment? And First Timothy chapter four says, "But refuse prof- uh, not First Timothy chapter four there. Uh, I, I put that twice, but uh, we'll talk about evil, uh, corrupt, uh, evil. Oh man, I just blanked out. Sorry about that. Evil communication, corrupt, uh, good manners, something like that. I'm sorry, but uh, everybody has probably remembered that verse except for me at this moment. But um, you know, we need to put ourselves in a good environment, an environment of success." You know, surround ourselves with people that are not putting stress and strain on our relationship with Jesus Christ, not putting stress and strain on our service to his church. But instead of doing that, they're supporting us and helping us with those things. They're not putting us under that stress. So as we think about these things this morning, what would you think of someone who was sick and refused to go to the doctor? What would you think of me uh, many times when I asked to go to the doctor? And, and I'm complaining about the problems that I have and suffering with the things that I have. What would you say to me? You say, well, just go to the doctor. Just get it taken care of. Just take care of the problems that you have and get those things taken care of. You know, Jesus is there. And if you, if you know this morning that you're sick in sin and that you are taking a path that's going to lead unto death, don't wait until you're on death's door. Don't wait until sin has just completely ripped your life apart and caused all kinds of destruction in your life. Because if you don't deal with the sickness now, it's just going to get worse. I, there's never been a time where you go to the doctor and you have a problem and the doctor says, I sure am glad you waited until now to come see me. This would have been a lot worse if you came earlier. They never say that. They say, you should have come to me months ago. You should have come to me years ago and got this taken care of. And if we would have taken this, if we would have taken care of this years ago, it would have been so much easier to take care of. 
And the same thing is the case with their spiritual life. If you know you have a problem, take care of it today. It's only going to get harder to make that decision. It's only going to get harder to heal and to fix. Take care of it today. What do you think about someone who goes to the doctor and knows and believes the doctor, but they don't do what the doctor says they need to do? What do you think of that person? Well, I would say that, that person doesn't really trust in the doctor that much. They don't really believe what the doctor is telling them is really going to make a difference. You know, if you find yourself knowing what you need to do, knowing that you need to be obedient unto Christ, that you need to live a life that's putting yourself in this good environment, that's consuming his word, that is exercising your faith daily, you know you need to do those things and you're not doing it, then your faith is lacking this morning and it needs to be strengthened. You need to strengthen your faith. You need to believe that Jesus really can help you and you need to show it with your action. You need to get better. Jesus has offered that to you and you can do it. If you find yourself afflicted in either one of these ways, needing to needing help this morning or needing encouragement to follow the advice that Jesus has given us, we ask you to come forward as we sing this song of invitation.